Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression that work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, we are featuring excerpts from MCU's recent environmental justice public meeting. This program took place on April 29th over Zoom. Today, you will hear from Emmeline Giles, the lead environmental justice organizer with MCU, Reverend Kevin D. Anthony, a leader on the MCU Environmental Justice Task Force, Leah Clyburn, the Beyond Coal senior organizer with the Sierra Club Missouri chapter, Kintaro Kumanomido, the Digital Environmental Justice Community Organizer of United Congregations of Metro East, Mamie Cozy, a resident of Soje, Illinois, and Maisha Johnson, a co-director of Community First Plus. They will speak on the day-to-day direct impact of pollution and environmental racism on the residents of the St. Louis region. We invite you to listen and sit with their stories and then consider how you might connect with one of these groups. And now, Emmeline Giles will open the program. I'm Emmeline Giles. I'm the Environmental Justice Lead Organizer with Metropolitan Congregations United. And I'm so happy to be here today with all of you. And I also wanted to take the time to, you know, do a land acknowledgement. I don't know if folks, some folks may be aware of this, um, but it's just a moment at the beginning of some of our meetings that we really want to acknowledge the the lands that we are um, on today, um, known as St. Louis currently now, but otherwise the occupied lands of um, the Osage, the Kickapoo, um, and I might be missing some other ones, of course. Uh, We have Cahokia, of course, across the river. I will now introduce Reverend uh, Kevin Anthony, who's our first speaker today, an amazing person that I've had the privilege to get to know this whole past year. And um, I'm just so excited for you all to hear from him. He's also a member of our Interfaith Environmental Justice Task Force. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. uh, As she said, I am Reverend Kevin DeAnthony, and I serve with the uh, Environmental Task Force of Metropolitan Congregations United, or more widely known as MCU. So I'm here to uh, share with you uh, why uh, we are here, or more so, uh, why I'm here. For me, it starts with, uh, I'm here because I like clean. Notice I didn't say spotless. I said, I do, I, I like clean. And I do believe that there is a difference between the two. Nevertheless, um, many of you are uh, probably aware of the opening of the biblical text where it offers uh, to the uh, story about the creation. Uh, the garden, uh, known to us as Eden. And uh, Eden is described as this beautiful space that is plush, filled with vegetation, no trash, no debris. All is full of health. But when we consider uh, our current uh, surroundings, uh, I believe that we all can um, agree Uh, that uh, we are a long way from Eden. 
as it is described. And I doubt very seriously we will get back to that place. But I'm here again because I like clean. I like clean because I believe our communities, and especially communities where poor people, black and brown communities, deserve to exist with all of the paper trash, broken bottles, soda cans, automobile tires spread across open spaces. Uh, most of us have uh, probably been driving along, maybe uh, Grand Avenue or King's Highway, maybe uh, Highway uh, 170, and notice how people will open their windows to their vehicles and just drop the trash. I can recall as a youth growing up in uh, the Jeff Vandaloo neighborhood or what some people uh, know as the JBL, uh, having to clean off the vacant lots before playing games. My friends and I would have to go out whenever we decided we wanted to play ball and clean up the bricks, the bottles, the tree limbs, and all sorts of other uh, debris so that we could have a safe uh, space to play. And we had to do this because people would utilize the playing space as a substitute for a dump site. I'm here because poor communities deserve the right to grow vegetation and harvested from healthy soil. Many of you are probably aware of uh, people are growing lo locally sourced food in neighborhood settings. And this source is, uh, sourcing is even on the rise in low income communities. But who can afford in those communities to have the soil tested? And who in those communities are aware of the sort of building that once existed in that space where people have decided to plant? It could have been a gas station that left toxins in the soil or a home that had lead-based paint. Who knows? For every tomato and leafy green food that is planted, harvested, and consumed, those toxins are transitioned into the body, which seems to me to be a health risk. And so I like clean because home renovators, you've seen it, handyman. Men from places unknown leverage poor communities as dumping grounds. And the more they dump, the more that has to be cleaned up. And at some point, it has to be demoralizing and even disheartening to continually to clean up and pick up while others consider you and your community as disposal. You, like the trash, are viewed as having no value. And so I'm here because there needs to be a change. The lives of so many black and brown communities are dependent upon our voicing the inequities related to environmental racism. Poor communities deserve clean air to breathe, clean soil to grow, clean water to drink. The environmental racism must stop. And I'm here because I understand as an African-American what it's like growing up in a poor community and having to clean up uh, my neighborhood before I play or plant. I'm here because I understand what it means to be considered disposed. I'm here because people who live in poor communities may not possess the will or the energy to agitate, create agitation needed to demand a clean neighborhood. And so I'm here because I like clean. <laughs> and I hope you are here because you understand what it means to be in places and spaces that need to be clean. 
I would like for it to be spotless, but let's start with clean. We can start there, we can go a long way. Now I will introduce to you uh, Leah Clyburn uh, of the Sierra Club, who will talk to you about organizing around environmental justice. Thank you so much, Reverend. Um, hello everyone. Again, my name is Leah Clyburn. I am the Beyond Coal organizer, senior organizer with the Sierra Club. Uh, uh, former organizer, but forever friend and family uh, to MCU and uh, also part of um, Community First Plus. And, you know, we talk about why is it important to organize around this issue. Um, and some of the main factors that we need to really wrestle with is what is the difference between environmental justice, conservation, and social justice? The fact of the matter that there's no difference, they're one in the same, they're in relationship, right? So when you're talking about social justice issues, it's a clear distinction that there are haves and have nots and system is not working out, right? For those who have not, but yet are under the umbrella of American, right? And so it is up to us during social justice issues to lift up that inequity around those policies and processes, right? and scream it loud and scream it proud, right? Then we talk about conservation. And then we say, oh, we didn't have this park. We didn't have preserve this land and do this and do that, right? And build policies to support these lands. But what environmental justice does is says that, oh, we have these policies to support this land, but why is that because it's located in this area, now we no longer influence those policies, invoke those policies. And that's a problem. Right. Uh, the history around environmental justice started back in the 1960s around the civil rights movement. Right. And that's because the civil rights during the civil rights movement, we were clear in the understanding that there's a health impact to these these um, lax policy that's supposed to be in place to protect the environments for all people in which we live. Right. And so when we look at environmental justice. We are looking at the unjust supports for environmental um, policies in specific areas, in areas in general, right? Um, and a lot of times, what we found um, is that 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 these lax policies is due to you know corporate greed. It is due to racial inequity, right? The, the clarity of who lives there and the the value of those who live there, right? Um, so we find this on, on indigenous lands. We find this in black and brown communities. We find this in um, where we would call our farming folks, right? The salt of the earth folks. But time and time again, we are in constant fight against corporations like Amron to hold them accountable on their illegal dumping, on their um, emissions, right? Because these pollutants are killing us. These pollutants are, are continuously part of the problem. And we, as partners of um, citizens who live in, in St. Louis, it is our obligation, in Missouri throughout, it is our obligation to say, be a better partner, right? To hold them accountable, right? 
at the Sierra Club, one of the things that we do is um, we collect, we we communicate this information to community partners um, like MCU, like UMC, like Community First Plus, and so many others to be like, hey, check this out. This is what this is something that's coming down. And one of the things that that came up was uh, what is this thing called the Integrative um, Resource Plan that our utility, Amarin, puts out every year. This, this plan uh, lists out Amarin's resource plan on what kind of energy that they're gonna provide for us, right? So whether it's gonna be renewable, as you, you all might've seen that they, they have a, provided opportunity for folks to communicate if they want wind or solar, or the traditional, which is coal. And one of the things we ask for them to do is really focus on their on the public health aspects um, to their emissions that comes from their plants. And so I wanna share with you their statement, but the main piece here is that Amarin expresses that it is not their responsibility. That is the regulatory agent's responsibility to demand these things from them. And so when we talk about demanding, demanding for them to do better and hold them to be held accountable, we're talking about hundreds of people are dying from St. Louis to East St. Louis. Cause as you know, there's no, there's, there's no wall that prevents smoke from traveling, right? But people from East, from St. Louis to East St. Louis and all the way to Chicago are being affected health-wise because of the emissions, because of the particles that is drifting from Labadee Coal Plant, which is one of the largest ones in the nation, um, that is putting, putting out these emittents and the harming folks up with respiratory. And so this is a problem. And this is why we must organize because the health of our children, the health of our children's children, the health of our water and our land and our air that we all breathe is being affected. And so I want to encourage when, when Reverend Anthony was talking about, you know, steward, being good stewards and, and, and our, you know, the importance, as you all know, of, of walking, walking um, by faith, right? As faithful people, it is, it is our responsibility to be good stewards of this land. And we are our neighbor's keeper. So if our neighbor's choking that lives over in South County, guess what? We're gonna be choking just a little bit further over in East St. Louis and we're gonna continue to choke over in Illinois. And so there's nowhere to run, right? So the, the bucks has to stop here with us. So uh, I like to now transition <laughs> to, uh, to how our, our neighbors over in East St. Louis are actually doing this work. Um, uh, to our dear friend Kentaro with UMC. Thanks so much, Leah. Um, and thanks everybody for being here tonight. I'm really excited to um, share share some some good news, some good news, but also some tough to hear news as well. Um, so once again, my name's Kentaro Kumanomido. I am filling a new role for United Congregations of Metro East, and that is as a digital and environmental justice community organizer. UCM is involved in a lot of different campaigns and projects. And my work as a environmental justice community organizer, I really see as being intersectional, like Leah said, the fact that we have lead in the drinking water of the schools in East St. Louis affects their education. This is educational justice. 
the fact that Veolia waste incinerator that you can see on the map, which I didn't know about until my role with UCM, I'd never driven past down Highway 3 in Sage, just south of East St. Louis, existed. And so on the call tonight, we have with us Miss Mammy Cozy, who uh, lives very close to Viola. You can see on this slide, I'm actually living in South St. Louis. Miss Cozy is in the south end of East St. Louis. But we are in each other's self-interest, to use an organizing term. We are both affected by the harmful pollutants that are released at the Veolia incinerator. Um, the good news that I wanted to mention is that recently UCM was part of a action on Earth Day that helped move forward a piece of legislation in the Illinois House and went, went on to the Senate that would ban the incineration of a very toxic class of chemicals called PFAS. So that's one of our ongoing issues. And if um, Mammy Elkozy could introduce herself. She is up next, and she's on the line from East St. Louis. Good evening. Thank you very much. I am delighted to be here tonight. I'm a great-grandmother raising three great-grandchildren. I'm 80 years of age, thanks be to God. I'm a retired school teacher, and I would like to just say that there is so much toxic air in my community that I feel that something has to be done about uh, the emitting of the toxicness in the air. There are older people who live in my community, and there are other children who live in my community that I am concerned about. My greatest fear is for my great-grandchildren who is inhaling uh, these harmful, toxic air. I feel that it's affecting their, their health, my health, and all the people around in this area. I live about one and a half miles from the Veolia plant, and almost constantly on a daily basis, our ear is not healthy. And so I like to say that something must be done about this community. We are people of low income, people of color, and the days that the air is not very, very good, my children can't even go out to play as other children in other communities. They sometimes run back into the house to let me know that they're emitting these odors, sometimes a chemical smell, and it get in their throat, and it burns. And so I have to say to them, you can't go out today. You must stay in. To me, that is very unfair that young children can even go out in their own yard and enjoy clean air. Nobody should have to live this way, no matter who you are. My youngest uh, child who has developed asthma since we moved in this area, and sometimes when he go out and we're getting ready to leave, and he says, Granny, we need to cover our mouth. 
And even in this pandemic, before we had to wear masks, sometimes we had to take a cloth and put it across our mouth. Run, get in the car, and get away. It really bothers me that my oldest child, she has had several episodes of something that seems like seizures. When I took her to Cardinal Glennon Hospital, they said that it wasn't seizure. So we have not found out really what causes that. But even now she's developing anxiety. She's taking medication because she's fearful of going outside. It is my greatest desire that my children could live better. We would move if I could afford it. I'm 80. Where can I buy another house at this age? It angers me that my children can't ride a bike and go out and shoot ball or or go in the field and, sh- and play soccer on any given day. They have to choose which day they can go out and play. Veolia spent over $450,000 for lobbyists when in fact they could have spent at least 50000 for monitoring. It's something wrong with that picture. In my opinion, there is no consideration for this community, no consideration for the people that live in this community. The very people that are supposed to protect us, the EPA just dismissed our conversation and sided with Veolia. They should be held accountable for this. I thank you all for this opportunity to share this story, and we will continue this fight until we can get better, clean air in this community for all the residents here in the Metro East area. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ms. Cozy, for making it on the call tonight. Every time I hear your story, um, I feel deeply moved. Um, and you, for me, are a champion for everyone in this region when it comes to environmental justice. Up next, I would love to introduce Maisha Johnson, um, who's actually a neighbor of mine. And um, Maisha is with Community First Plus and is going to share with us um, another layer of the air pollution issue, kind of bridging the indoor and uh, outdoor air pollution um, that many of us are experiencing here in this region. Hello, everyone. My name is Maisha Johnson, and I'm one of the co-directors with Community First Plus. Community First Plus was formed in early January of 2021. Um, So with Community First Plus, we've realized how the intersection of environmental justice and housing justice are one. A lot of what shows up outside the air pollution and um, the debris from the trash ends up in our home and affects our home. It, so with starting with the air pollution, when I moved here in 2009, I moved into the Marine Villa area where we noticed there was a long, uh, loud gas stitch. And um, after having several conversations with other individuals in the community, I also realized that there were a lot of illness, illnesses within the community 
cancer, high rates of asthma. Um, most of the ER visits in this community are asthma related. So that made me look more into other issues that the community may be facing because, you know, this can't be it. You know, there's so much more when it starts to affect several families in one community. In the process of doing neighborhood cleanups with other community leaders and organizers, we've realized that there is a big issue with the dumping in the community and that needed to be addressed. With the dumping, we've learned that there were supposed to be two waste visits in the community where they picked the waste up and one recycling. Well, due to the fact that there's not enough men to work the um, man hours that is required to service all the alleys in St. Louis, Missouri, that they limited down to one waste pickup and one recycling pickup. And that leads to overflow in the dumpsters due to the fact that there's a lot of families that pile up in one household. Also leads to a lot of pests in the home, rats, mice, you know, and landlords tend to hold the renters accountable to address these issues. We are not the cause. We need to change the narrative of it's the way that person's living. It's um, they're, they're not keeping up with their housing. They don't keep it clean outside. They're not the cause. It could be the foundation. It could be the surroundings as we continue to speak about that affect the in, in-house air quality and pest infestations. We as community have been organizing with neighborhood cleanups, um, with meeting with one another, but we also need you as faith-based organizers to step in and help deliver the message that we are not the cause. And also help community leaders and organizers learn to develop the skill in holding their power and addressing these issues with community, I mean, with city leaders, with folks that can change policy. And what does that look like? It's needed. So many people in St. Louis have had um, early deaths in their family due to the lack of air monitoring in these black and brown communities, lack of resources and lack of knowledge. So today I asked, where would you take part in educating and handing over power to community members that's willing to organize around this? Thank you. Thank you for listening to this special presentation of excerpts from MCU's recent environmental justice public meeting. To connect with the Sierra Club Missouri chapter, go to sierraclub.org slash Missouri. For United Congregations of Metro East, go to ucmetroeast.org and search for Community First Plus St. Louis on Facebook. To learn more about MCU, go to the Metropolitan Congregations United website at mcustlewis.org. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.